Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hi, beloved family. Good morning. How are you? I pray you're well and hopeful because God is on his throne. He's never left. And you say, well, why are we under such a mess? Uh, Because people are sinful and they've turned from God. And all we need to do to set things right is turn back uh, to him. Uh, You know, if a watch doesn't work, you don't take it to... uh, a grocery store, you take it to the watch manufacturer and you set it back right again and then it serves its purpose. We have turned from God um, and uh, as our Lord said in the Old Testament, uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayer and heal their land. He said that to Israel when Israel was in the midst of... um, uh, persecution that was surrounded by enemies on all sides. And so um, he says that to us. If we would be humble, turn from our wicked ways. And I would say that. I know I will insult a lot of people. What else is new? Um, I need to speak with Catholics. We, 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 we are God's people. Um, as Israel was in the under the old covenant, the Christianity is Judaism uh, fulfilled in its Messiah, spread to the four corners of the earth, and now takes in every single soul and people and tongue and nation. Christianity, which is defined uh, to say, translated, those who are followers of Christ. Those who are followers of Christ keep his law. It is uh, his justice. It is indeed the law of love. Um, uh, uh, love does not eliminate justice. Um, uh, love, um, how do I say that? It tops justice. Jesus said in the Old Testament, you've heard you shall not kill. But I say to you, uh, if you even say raka, you call your brother a fool, you've committed murder in your heart. So murder is not allowed uh, under the new covenant, but it's raised to a higher level to not even kill your brother in your heart um, because uh, you kill him in his heart. It's it's murder. Um, uh, we are responsible. We are followers of Christ. And unlike the people of old, we have our Lord living within us, if we've been baptized, if we are faithful to keep the sacraments, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, living within us. We have the power to do what Israel of old did not. Uh, God said to Israel of old, Isaiah 49, um, and in other chapters of Isaiah, you shall be my witnesses. Um, Uh, You will be a light to the Gentiles. That's their vocation. But they continue to turn from God. They continue to fail. Why did God build his church on Israel? Did Israel fail? No, they did not. Uh, because God was faithful and he brought them through. And And there was a remnant that was kept faithful. And the church is built on Israel. 
Uh, and uh, then at Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they had the power to live their vocation really for the first time. Um, uh, and and with the Holy Spirit in them, they had the power. And in chapter uh, Acts chapter one verse eight, after in Pentecost, when he filled them with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in all manners of tongues, and everyone heard uh, Peter's message in their own language. It was wonderful, and our Lord said, <clears throat> Now you shall be my witnesses. It go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's how we are Christians today, because through Israel, again, they gathered together to protect themselves, and God brought a persecution on them so that they would scatter. And all over the world, every tongue, tribe, and people, now, not everyone, unfortunately yet, but in in general, uh, a good portion of the world knows of Christ um, because he came through the Jews for the Jews, but for the entire world. And he spread the gospel through martyrdom, through persecution. So people didn't get comfortable in their own ways. Their vocation was to spread the gospel. There's no other way to God but through Jesus. There is no name, wrote St. Luke uh, in the book of Acts. There's no other name under heaven by which we must, M-U-S-T, be saved. Whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish, whether you're pagan, whatever religion you are, uh, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other way to God but through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Um, and so um, we are his witnesses. And as we've been talking about for the past two days, the word martyr is the word w- witness. We are witnesses to God. Martyrdom is uh, witnessdom. Uh, we are God's witnesses. And to be his witnesses may mean truly um, that we're martyrs. We've been reading an article by Father John Harden, who said in his article uh, that the nature of martyrdom is to witness. Um, And he said, except that when Christ spoke to his disciples, he did not say, you shall be my witnesses, but you shall be my martyrs. That's the translation, beloved. You shall be my martyrs, from which we get the word witnesses. The essence of being a martyr is to be a witness. And we know what a witness does. He gives testimony publicly that something he saw or heard is true. He has experience of a fact or an event, and as a witness, he declares that what he says or signs his name to is so. He gives evidence to others that what he testifies to should be believed. Why? Because he personally knows. Um, For anyone to say... uh, I don't, uh, I'm personally against this or that. Let's just take the major issue of today, particularly with the election coming up. There's nothing more important than the matter of abortion because it's straight murder. Um, uh, for anyone to say, I personally don't believe uh, in abortion, uh, but I'm not going to tell others what to do. Um, that is... Um, I want to say evil. It's abandoning God's call for our lives. If we know the truth, 
We must tell others. If we know the truth, it's not because we're special or smart or anything else. It's because we've received the grace of God. We've received truth himself. And Father Stan Fortuna years ago with Father Groeschel's order said, if we keep it to ourselves, we are thieves. Nothing God has given us is to keep to ourselves. We are commissioned to spread the gospel to every single creature. Every single creature. In fact, the scriptures will say when the gospel is preached to every creature, then the end will come and then Christ will return. It must be preached, beloved. It must be preached. Um, We think with the illumination of conscience coming up soon, soon, uh, within the next two months, we think, um, Uh, Before the end of this fall, we may think incorrectly. Many people are against it, against us for saying it, against the so-called prophets who have spoken to us about it uh, or think they are prophets, whatever it is. Um, If the illumination of conscience is true, today is October 21st. The fall ends December 21st. We have exactly two months to get our lives in order, to go to confession, and to prepare ourselves. Now, if it doesn't happen, we'll still be in better shape. Don't worry about that. If we collect all the food and nothing happens, we have a lot of food to give to the poor. Uh, Don't worry about that. Uh, Don't worry about even collecting food. Don't worry about it. But our soul needs to be in shape, beloved. And so we need to be God's witnesses. We need not to hide. Why am I telling you this? I know that because I think this is true about the illumination of conscience or the chastisement that's coming upon us, because I think it's true, I could, you could say my reputation is on the line. Uh, many people, we've lost subscribers, we've lost donors because of it, and they say, Mother Miriam, of all people, we didn't expect this from you. Well, neither did I, but either God is leading or he's not. Uh, me personally or us personally, uh, to believe it. Uh, If I'm wrong, I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked. I've never gone with such prophecies before, but I, I do think it's true this time. I could be completely wrong, beloved. Don't go on what I say. Ask God. Read. uh, Take a look at these messages. Uh, Do what you're led to do. But no matter what we do, we have to be a witness. Woe to me, said the Apostle Paul, if I don't preach Christ. If I think something is true and for fear that I won't be popular, uh, people won't listen anymore, people won't donate. If, if I withhold what I think because of what people think, um, I will disgrace the name of Christ and Christian. I have no right to do, withhold anything. And for the love of souls, um, and I live 24-7 for the salvation of every single soul. There's nothing else on my heart. And so, woe to me if I don't speak what I know or what I believe or what I think is true. If I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. Um, But, beloved, our time is very short. We must be witnesses and Uh, to martyrdom, if need be, the martyrdom of love, martyrdom of persecution, Um, and we have a new martyrdom to speak about today. It's the end of Father Hardin's article, The Martyrdom of Witness. We'll be right back, beloved. 
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live, to let you know that there is a magnificent array of programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, such as Stand Out for Life with Jim Havens and Father Imbarato. They pray for and discuss the pro-life movement each Saturday morning live at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can also listen to Stand Out for Life anytime as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show, 888-526-2151. The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved, and uh, we will take your calls, your texts, your emails after the next break, um, and our lines are wide open, and you may call in uh, with anything on your heart whatsoever, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to read the last section of Father Hardin's article on martyrdom, and it's titled, The Martyrdom of Witness. Again, um, they are, in the original language, pretty much one word, but um, martyrdom can appear in direct persecution, um, in uh, in the martyrdom of love is what St. Jane uh, de Chantel called it. Um, and because she's a saint and she, she, the martyrdom is lo- of love is what consumed her life. Um, and Father Hardin now says, we still have one more type of martyrdom to reflect on. And it is, in a way, the most pervasive of all because no follower of Christ can escape it. <clears throat> This is the martyrdom of witness. And he says, what do we mean by martyrdom of witness? And how does it differ from the other two? It differs from them in that even in the absence of active opposition, the imitation of Christ must always face 
passive opposition. From whom? From those who lack a clear vision of the Savior, or who, having had had it, lost their former commitment to Christ. All that we have seen about the martyrdom by violence applies here too. But the method of opposition is different. Here the firm believer in the church's teaching authority, the devoted servant of the papacy, the convinced pastor who insists on sound doctrine to his flock. I'm going to pause here to remind everyone We announced yesterday that Father James Altman will be with us live tomorrow for the entire hour. He is exactly that, the convinced pastor who insists on sound doctrine to his flock. Why? Because he exists to save souls. That's the vocation of a pastor, to save the sheep, to bring them to heaven, not to worry about their health, not, I mean, he can help them in a number of ways, but their souls are are the issue. The souls are the issue. Um, The salvation of souls, and um, you may tell your friends, tell everybody that Father Altman, James Altman, pastor of James the Less Church in La Crosse, uh, Wisconsin, will be with us live tomorrow. I am so thrilled for this. I'm so honored for this, and um, it's very, very crucial. He is the one uh, who put the video out that you cannot be Catholic and vote Democrat. Um, and every so many people have come against him for that, uh, and so many faithful Catholics are so grateful for that video. Um, you can find it on YouTube if you haven't heard it and listened to it before he comes on the program tomorrow. People argue, I am a Catholic and I am going to vote Democrat. Well, that may be the case, but you're not a Catholic in good standing, and there are going to be many Catholics who will not find themselves in heaven. You cannot vote for murder. Um, nor can you compare children in cages at the border with the direct murder of children in their mother's womb. Um, so I'm going to go on here with Father Ard- uh, Harden's article. He says, um, let me see now. Um, oops, I lost hearing it. Here, I'll, I'll reread the sentence. Here, the firm believer in the church's teaching authority, the devoted servant of the papacy, the convinced pastor who insists on sound doctrine to his flock, the dedicated religious who want to remain faithful to their vows of authentic poverty, honest chastity, and sincere obedience, the firm parents who are concerned about the religious and moral training of their children and are willing to sacrifice generously to build and care for a Christian family, natural or adopted. Such persons will not be spared also active criticism and open opposition, but they must especially be ready to live in an atmosphere of coldness to their deepest beliefs. Beloved, again, Father Harden wrote this at the end of the 20th century, and he could have, like Bishop Sheen, written this yesterday. It's it's just astounding. Um, sometimes, Father Harden says, they would almost wish the opposition were more the opposition were more overt, and even persecution would be a welcome change. It is the studied indifference of people whom they know and love of persons in their own natural or religious family, of men and women whose intelligence they respect and whose 
respect they cherish. This kind of apathy can be demoralizing, and unless it finds itself, unless it finds relief, can be devastating. And I'm going to add to this, our own Lord said that. I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you are lukewarm, I would spew you out of my mouth. To continue living, Father says, a Christ-like life in this kind of environment is to practice the martyrdom of witness. Why witness? Because it means giving testimony to our deep religious convictions, although all around us, others are giving their own example to the contrary. It means giving witness twice over, once on our own behalf as the outward expression of what we internally believe, and once again on behalf of others whose conduct is not only different from ours, but contradicts it. Wherein lies the martyrdom? It lies in the deprivation of good example to us on the part of our contemporaries and in the practice of Christian virtue in loneliness because those who witness that we, what we do are in the majority, numerically or psychologically, and we know that they are being challenged and embarrassed by the testimony. We witness to them indeed, but they are not pleased to witness who we are, what we stand for, what we say, or what we do. Notwithstanding all of this, however, it behooves us to look at the positive side of the picture. We must remind ourselves that this witness of ours is not so sterile as we may suppose. Quite the contrary. Although we may be or at least feel often quite alone, we are not alone at all. Not infrequently, our severest critics can become our strongest admirers. In any case, witness that we give by living up to the conviction of our faith is surely demanding on human nature. That is why we call it martyrdom. But it is a witness to the truth. And God's grace is always active in the hearts of everyone whose paths, whose path we cross. I'm going to continue. We're nearing the end, and I would love to get this in before the break. Father Hardin continues, If we would know the power of this martyrdom of witness, we have only to read the annals of the early church, the handful of believers whom Peter baptized on Pentecost Sunday were as a drop in the immense culture surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. Yet see what happened. This small group of convinced faithful were able in less than 300 years to turn the tide of paganism in the Roman Empire. For a long time, they were deprived even of the basic civil rights accorded other citizens. They were often hunted like animals. And the catacombs tell us that they had to hide when celebrating the liturgy and hide the tombs of their revered dead. Father doesn't say this, but the first Christians were all Jews, and the first persecutors were Jews who were against those Jews who believed in this Christ, this Messiah. But their patience and meekness finally prevailed, yes, but only because it was supported by unbounded courage, born not of their own strength, but of the power that Christ promised to give all his followers that shall witness to his name everywhere. This promise is just as true today. All that we need 
is to trust in the spirit whom we possess and never grow weary in giving testimony to the grace we received. This is what Christ was talking about when he told us not to hide our virtues, but to allow them to be publicly seen like a candle on a candlestick or a city on a mountaintop. We should not be afraid that by such evidence of our good works, we shall be protected from vain glory by the cost in humiliation that witnessing to a holy life inevitably brings. There will have to be enough death to self and enough ignoring of human respect to keep us from getting proud in our well-doing. God will see to that on our part We must be willing to pay the price of suffering in doing good, which is another name for being a living martyr, that is, a courageous witness to the life of Christ in the world today. I tell you, beloved, tell you something very personal. Um, uh, When I first, as a new Catholic went to speak at conferences and radio and, and all of that. The, the beautiful holy priest who led me into the church, who received me in the church, some of you know him, Monsignor James O'Connor, author of The Hidden Manor, author of um, Life of the Sun, many, many articles. He had been systematic, chair of systematic theology for Dunwoody Seminary, and uh, finally he was pastor of... Um, uh, St. Joseph's Church in Millbrook, New York, where I first met him. Um, Magnificent, holy, holy priest. I just loved him. He died some years ago. And as I left New York for California at the time, it was 1998, three years after I had entered the church, as I left, he said something that he denies saying. He didn't even know he said it. He said, God will keep you humble. And I said, now, where did that come from? It had nothing to do with anything. And uh, when I told one of his seminarian priests, um, he said that was from the Holy Spirit, not from Father O'Connor. He wouldn't have said something like that. But I never forgot it. God will keep me humble. It was, it was just crazy. And through all these years that God has um, led me and blessed the efforts to to teach the faith all over the world, whatever it is. Um, one woman said to me once, she said, how do you handle this? How do your pride handle, how does your pride handle this, all of that? And I simply said to her, I know me. I know me. I know me. I know the sinner I am. I was a jail chaplain in my Protestant years for 10 years. And I know, and I met with women who committed murder, the most things of atrocity. And I know, I know, beloved, that there's nothing anyone on the face of the earth is capable of that I'm not capable of, but by the grace of God. I know that. So forget it. Uh, I I don't lose sight of the sinner I am, and if I ever tend to, God renews that to me by my own stupidity and actions. So um, pride has nothing to do with it. God will see to it. 
on our part, we must be willing to pay the price of suffering in doing good, which is another name for being a living martyr. That is a courageous witness to the life of Christ in the world today. And if you're breathing, beloved, and you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been baptized, you are called to be his witness no matter what. We'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, Love in Truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. The Station of the Cross thanks our financial supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Hello, beloved dear ones. Um, this is Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you, and this is our half hour together. The reason I'm uh, stumbling a little here is that um, something with the engineering went awry, and um, so you're seeing a placard there, just a still, until we get back on video. But we are live, and you are welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open, toll-free, one 511 um, 5483. Uh, again, it's uh, toll free 1 5483. And um, I'm going to keep checking back to see if we can connect again. Um, but we are going to take your calls and your emails. Um, and you can email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We have an email from Orisay who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. God bless you. Some questions. I have four-month-old twins. 
I gave them the first vaccination shot, and now it's time for the next vaccine. I wonder if we should give it to them. I started to hesitate in doing so. Could you tell us your opinion? We are clear that we should not take the COVID one, but what about the regular ones? Um, Orsay, I I cannot answer you on that. I'm so sorry. Um, I once did a study and did a whole program on vaccines um, and urged people to stay away from most of them, but I, I don't recall that right now. And um, the main thing is that you need to do research. If they are made from cells of aborted babies, um, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, Outside of then that, I don't know that there's an absolute. Um, But there are websites that warn against uh, vaccinations, and you could look up what vaccinations to take and what not to take. Do that research, because that will be important. So I don't steer you away from the vaccines, but I steer you away from any vaccine that is made from abortal, aborted uh, cells of a baby. Um, okay, let me just uh, hang on a minute because I think we do have, um, we can try to connect again and, uh, for the video for those of you who are listening. Let me give it a try. Hold on, dear ones. One momento. I think it's going to work. I think it's magic. Hold on a moment. One moment. Okay. Oh, it's going to work. Ta-da. Here I am. And there you are. I'm so glad to be with you live now. Um, and we were live before, but you could only hear us. So now you can see us. And again, I invite you to call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are wide open. And feel free to call in. And I'm going to take your texts and your emails as well. I'm going to finish this email from Orisay. A second question Orisay has is, on the other hand, we are preparing with the food and water, but wonder if we should also prepare with clothes, shoes, and camping stuff for our growing children for future years. Or should we trust that everything else will be provided by God? Well, I don't know that I'd go as far as clothes, clothing and shoes um, you may have a little camping things unless our electricity goes out. I think that would be wise uh, to be able to cook without electricity or gas uh, and to have enough water to not count on water. I think that would be wise also. Um, question three, is there an economic crash coming? How should we prepare? Well, I don't know about the economic crash. I don't know about everything. I'm just going on messages of others. Um, But um, there is such a thing. And again, this has been predicted by um, approved apparitions of the church. um, And even the book of Revelation speaks about uh, are receiving the mark of the beast, uh, and whoever doesn't have it will not be able to buy or sell or anything else. Um, they're already, and we. this has been Bill Gates, and it's been news uh, preparing a chip that they want everyone to receive, and whoever does, doesn't have the chip will not be able to buy or sell or do anything, and so... Uh, everything with no more credit cards, no more cash, no more anything. Now, how soon that'll be upon us, I don't know. Um, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Uh, I would beg everybody not to take that chip at all, ever, not to take the vaccine at all, ever. And if we're persecuted and we lose our lives for it, better to do that than to um, give in to the devil. Fourth question regarding communion in the hand, where do you stand, especially for First Communion? I stand not. I won't say absolutely not, because if you're in a church that will not serve communion on the tongue, then I will not uh, suggest you don't take our Lord in your hand. I never have, and the thought of it grieves me, especially for a child for First Communion. So um, the norm of the church is communion on the tongue. It's allowed communion on the hand, but the norm is communion on the tongue. And I would want to beg everyone to receive communion on the tongue. If you go to a Latin parish, it's almost a given. If your parish will not serve you communion on the tongue, even when we go to the cathedral here uh, in Tulsa, they do uh, serve communion standing um, on the hand or on the tongue. Um, so we could at least receive on the tongue. Uh, we went to uh, Mass yesterday, and we received communion on the tongue, while most of the congregation received communion on the hand. And on my way back to the pew, I looked down on the ground, halfway, da- halfway back to the pew, and there was a, a particle of host that someone had dropped from, I'm sure, receiving communion on the hand, and it was uh, a quarter of an inch, size of a quarter of an inch, just... It's so awful, and I, I don't know how many people walked on him, or it doesn't matter, I, I consumed it. It's just distressing. He's all over the floor in, when communion is served on the hand, whether or not there's a patent under the hand. It's not properly done, and it's very distressing. So I would say if all possible receive communion on the tongue, especially for a first communion, especially to teach a child reverence that they are receiving God. Um, uh, we have a call from Raymond in Buffalo. Hello, Raymond. Hello, Mother. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, dear one. You have a question? I do. I I just heard that <laughs> Pope Francis has recently endorsed same-sex civil unions for same-sex couples. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wondered your opinion on that. It's evil. It's (sighs) wrong. It's wrong. It's evil. It's against Scripture. What has Christ to do with Belial, uh, Apostle Paul says. Um, And read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It is uh, against the faith, and it will send people to hell. How our Pope has endorsed this is beyond any understanding that I have. But it is wrong, it is evil, it is sinful, it is an absolute distortion of the human being. As far as I know, he has, yes, he hasn't endorsed quote-unquote same-sex marriages, but unions and how he's done right. that, I have I, I it, it's embarrassing to the rest of the world for me. It's it's shameful, and I I I I, I don't know what God allows. He allows, but it's absolutely sinful and evil. 
this is going to make such a mark on the church, and it's going to open up the floodgates again. It's just, I, I, I don't. How are we to deal with this? The only way to deal with it, my dearest brother, is to live the truth and speak the truth and not hold back. We must live the truth. We might, we must not say, who am I to judge? We must not say, because we are to judge. We're told that in Scripture. We can never judge the heart, but we must judge actions. And those are actions for which God put people to death in the Old Testament and which Apostle Paul said, no homosexual will enter heaven. We must speak the truth. And if we love people and we have homosexuals in our own family and we're afraid to offend them, we care more about what they think of us than, or hurting their feelings than we do about their souls being saved. We Thank must you, speak the truth. You're welcome, dear one. Okay. God bless you. God bless you. Um, we have an email from Lisa who says, Hi, Mother. Oh, wait a minute now. Hold on. Um... Okay, yeah, I did. we did finish RSA. Lisa <clears throat> says, Hi, Mother Miriam. You have mentioned that a couple living together outside of marriage cannot participate in marriage preparation nor get married in a Catholic church. I didn't say that, actually. Before I go on to your question, I did not say that. Um, I, I say that it's not that they cannot participate in marriage preparation. It's that... A faithful holy priest should tell them to separate at least for six months and not live together. Otherwise, they cannot prepare properly for a holy marriage. I didn't say they cannot because there are priests who will prepare them. Um, but a priest should tell them, under, no matter what it takes, even if they have to live in shelters, to live apart for no less than six months before they marry. Um does the church say that? No, I say that. Only because uh, you need a certain amount of time to show that you can persevere, to show that it's true love and you're not simply dealing on your passions or your emotions. You need to separate. You need to live a holy life before you should plan to be married. Lisa goes on, my question is, what if they repented and confessed their sin? Will they be allowed to be married in the Catholic Church. Yes, if they repented and confessed their sins, absolutely they can. To repent is to make a 180-degree turn. There's no repentance if they continue to live together. Lisa says, what if they have a child already? What is the status of the child who was born with parents who are not married? Thank you, Mother. Sincerely, Lisa. Well, if there's a child... And that child is, uh, was created by God. And if that child is born to parents who are not married and they want to repent and confess and marry, I would say that um, either the, the man, the father of the child, should move out of the home and uh, visit, but move out of the home and come into the Catholic Church and fully repent and live the faith and be under a priest. Um, or um, if it may be too difficult to move out of the home with a child, at least sleep in separate rooms, even if uh, the man needs to sleep on the couch or in the bathtub. I don't care. Sleep in separate rooms. Don't sleep in the same bed 
and simply not come together intimately. Sleep in separate rooms. Don't hug. Don't kiss. Truly honor God for three months, uh, for six months. And repent and uh, be married in the church. And that child is in... Uh, is, um, when you're married in that church, you give the child the sacraments and you are a Catholic family. Nothing to worry about. Okay. Uh, Ivana, hello, Mother Miriam. Ivana's email says, <clears throat> I hope this message finds you well. I love watching your podcasts on YouTube, but I must admit that I do not watch them daily. The first time I saw you was on Father Richard Heilman's show, U.S. Grace Force. And the way you explained the rosary and our mother really resonated with me. I'm so happy for that, Ivana. We're going to continue your email when we come back from the break. And, beloved, it will be our final break. And you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483. We'll be right back. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, dear ones. This is our last segment, and again, you're welcome to call in toll-free with anything at all on your heart. Um, It's uh, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. I want to remind you before I forget, uh, since we're near the end of the program, we've got a good 10 minutes left. Um, that Father James Altman, the priest whose video went viral over a million times, I think, um, saying that you cannot be Catholic and vote Democrat. I absolutely agree. Again, you can call yourself a Catholic, but you're not a Catholic on your way to heaven. If you vote Democrat, you're voting for uh, abortion above all things. There's nothing that compares with murder, the direct murder of a child in its mother's womb. Um, and if you do that, you will be in grave, grave sin. And, um, and you're going to have to repent if God gives you time. Uh, otherwise, you will not be in heaven. It, uh, whoever votes de- Democrat will separate themselves from God. I'm telling you that now. It's not my opinion. It's scripture. Murder will set. It's mortal. It means death. You will separate yourself from God. And if you vote for any Democrat who will uh, agree with abortion and our current uh, candidates agree with abortion at any stage up to infanticide, um, if you vote for that, you will be responsible for every single one of the 60 plus million abortions, deaths performed. You have a part in their actions and God will hold you accountable. And Father Altman will talk about that tomorrow. Uh, we're, we're very near the election. It's uh, getting extremely crucial, and I am honored to have him on the program. And we will accept your calls during the second half of the program, um, whether you're for or against. Uh, I'm gonna, we will ask you to call in respectfully to Father, but whatever is on your heart, you may say or ask. It will be all right. Um, so that's tomorrow. Uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Time on Mother Miriam Live. We have an email from Ivana that we um, started to read, and I'll, I'll repeat it now. Hello, Mother Miriam. I hope this message finds you well. I love watching your podcasts on YouTube, but I must admit that I do not watch them daily. Uh, the first time I saw you was on Father Richard Heilman's show, U.S. Grace Force, and the way you explained the rosary and our mother really resonated with me. <clears throat> I am hoping you can provide me with some advice on two areas I've been struggling um, with for a while. Two areas I've been struggling with for a while. I'm 26 years old, have been married for a year now. Both my husband and I are Catholic. However, my husband struggles with his faith and attends Mass with me weekly, but does not care to pay attention or participate. He is a wonderful, caring, and supportive husband that truly loves me, but has been scared or scarred, rather, by his parents' approach when it came to prayer and practicing his faith, as they were quite forceful without providing much teaching or explaining growing up. Please pray for his conversion back to the church. 
I don't feel ready, she says. Uh, Let's see now, that's um, uh, Ivana. Uh, says, I don't feel ready to have children yet, but knowing that using contraception is wrong and denying my husband the marital right is also wrong. I know I am committing a sin either way. I'm ashamed for continuing to commit the same sins repeatedly, and I feel like I'm stuck in a vicious cycle because I do not feel ready to become a mother. I'm going to interrupt right there. Uh, Anyone, Ivana, anyone who is not ready to become a mother, is not ready to marry. To be married is to be open to life, the union of a man and woman. And if you do not consummate your marriage uh, without contraception, if you, put, if you use concept, contraception on your wedding night, you have not consummated your marriage. You must consummate your marriage. Otherwise, you're not married. I do not feel ready to become a mother. And again, you were not ready to marry. Our financial situation, she continues, is okay, but if I st- only if I stop working. The financial burden will be very heavy on my husband to support us and a newborn. With the economy as it is, I'm not sure if I will be let go at my job in the coming months or if I do conceive within the next few months, I may not have a job to return to. I believe God has a plan, but I'm scared to bring a new life into this world, seeing the current state of everything that is going on. Mother Miriam, I've been praying to accept God's will and for him to put in my heart, put it in my heart, but I'm really struggling Also, my husband's lack of faith makes me nervous because I do not want them to follow his example of being uh, indifferent. Um, Thank you for your advice. I look forward to your response. May God bless you and all the wonderful work you do. Regards, Ivana. Ivana, I need to answer you very, very clearly. You may not... uh, Again, uh, you're not ready to be a mother. You should not have married but you did marry, and I'm, I'm guessing you married in the church, your husband being um, identifying as a Catholic, even though he is either not a Catholic in his heart or certainly not a practicing Catholic and should not receive the Eucharist when you go to Mass. I'm guessing he does not because you said he doesn't participate. I'm glad at least he goes to Mass with you and has agreed, if you got married in the church, to raise your children Catholic. That's good. You must not use contraception at all, at all, at all, for any reason. You will be in mortal sin, and you should not withhold yourself from your husband. The only choice you have in your circumstance is natural family planning, which is not intended as a Catholic contraceptive, but God allows that. You can follow NFP, Natural family planning, which I think has the wrong name. We shouldn't be planning, uh, but natural family procreation. I would still keep the three initials, Um, but you have recourse to that. And if you're not sure exactly how that works, you and your husband together can take a class on natural family planning. But do not, for one moment, contracept, and you need to go to confession if you have. You should not withhold yourself from your husband, and you should not contracept. Natural family planning is your only recourse. Don't play God. 
don't say if I quit my job to be home because it's too much of a financial burden on my husband. Um, I'm not sure I'll get the job back or too much on him. Don't you're playing God. God will not, as long as we take control of those things and live in fear and go against God, we have no confidence that God will even answer our prayers or provide. If we follow him completely, we don't sin, we don't resort to our own resources against God, then we can be sure of his protection, but we cannot be sure of it in any other way. So, Do not withhold yourself from your husband. Do practice natural family planning. Both of you take a course on it. And if you, uh, if the course isn't available right away and you still want to be intimate in the interim, um, then just call someone, call your church, ask who teaches uh, or how you could learn about natural family planning. Have someone come to your house or meet them at the church, tell you the, uh, what you need to do in an hour and just follow it until you have a greater understanding. You must do that. You must not um, play God. Um, You must be open to life. And again, natural family planning is legitimate, uh, especially in your case. And I would urge your husband, beg him to get together with a very good holy priest uh, to learn the faith, either himself or together as a couple. Don't go on this way in his indifference. It's not good. God bless you, dear one, uh, all of you, and we'll see you tomorrow live for the whole hour with Father James Oldman. God bless you.